0: I played with Colonel Bruce Hampton from right around 2005 to right around 2010. I was talking to him one night, and he said that uh, making your own record legitimizes you as a musician to non musicians.
1: This is episode number eight with freelance bassist and spy movie music composer Chris Dale. Welcome to Fader Jocks. My name is Brian Stevens, freelance musician and recording studio professional. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you grow and develop as an audio engineer, music producer, or recording musician. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now let's push up those faders. This episode is brought to you by Session Ace and their incredible line of in-ear monitors and other musician-specific products. I've been using the 6-Driver Universal Fit ESA in-ear monitors on every single recording session and live gig that I've played on for the last three years. And let me tell you... There's absolutely nothing under $2,000 that sounds as good as these ESAs. Believe me, I've owned everything under $2,000 just about. And the shocking thing about these is these six driver in-ear monitors, you can get them today your own set for less than $400. Unbelievable. So go to SessionAce.com today to check out the ESA in-ear monitors, as well as their entire catalog of musical products. That's SessionAce.com, remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. It's so good to be back with you after what has been more than a year of radio silence here with the Fader Jocks podcast. Uh, I really appreciate your patience with me. Uh, Let's just say I got sidetracked the last 10 or 11 months with something else that kept me from doing this. But uh, I I am back, and and right now, as a matter of fact, as I'm recording the intro for this podcast, uh, my own Atlanta Braves, which I'll be honest, I I hadn't watched a game all year except for this uh, championship series. Uh, they are up two to nothing in the first inning. As soon as I'm done recording these, I'm going right downstairs to watch this game. I'm hoping that they win tonight because if they win tonight, that puts them in the World Series. Uh, and really, more important for, for me, anyway, is that uh, I have a gig on Saturday with the organist for the Braves, Matt Kaminsky. Uh, Matthew and I have been playing the last few years, um, no thanks to COVID, we would have played a lot more, uh, but we've been playing in a group together called the Georgia Polka Connection. And while we play some um, more traditional kind of polka things, we also do a lot of our own kind of crazy business, uh, playing polka versions of Beatles and ELO and Tom Petty. And that really is the reason why we do that group together so that we can play songs that we really like that are not traditional polka tunes and uh if the Braves win tonight, that means that Matthew does not have to sub his gig on Saturday. And that also means that I don't have to try and pretend to be a band leader on his gig. <laughs> he's uh, he's so good at uh, organizing things. And You hear my dog in the background who's going, Why are you talking so loud? Why are you talking so loud? Who are you talking to? Anyway, let's hope the Braves win tonight. If you're a Dodgers fan, I'm sorry. It's my hometown Braves, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway... Uh, normally, you know, I do a pretty large preamble. I pick a topic. I talk about a few things. Uh, I'm not going to do that tonight. the The thing I want to tell you is uh, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, there are episodes in the back catalog that stretch back the last few years. Whether it's uh, the amazing engineer producer for Elton John who was our very first episode Matt Still, great buddy Uh, or uh, we had Tony Pascoe who does a ton of uh, composing for television and uh, Joe Fitzgerald who's the uh, engineer to the rap superstars of Atlanta and beyond. Uh, There are a lot of good episodes in the back catalog if you haven't listened to those please go back and listen to them but uh, we're poised now to do We Weekly episodes. Uh, here, you'll notice there's a brand new website. We refreshed that whole thing uh, at faderjocks.com. Uh, the blog will eventually come back. For right now, it's basically just a home for the the podcast. And one of the things that you can do to help me with ensuring that we're going to do weekly episodes is to help support the show. Uh, going to our sponsor helps, but you can more directly help support the show and make sure that we're here every single week by going to Patreon.com/slash Brian Stevens. This is a brand new thing that I've just opened up this week, and we've got several different that you can jump in on the Patreon and help support the show for 15 bucks a month, you get early access to these episodes. So normally, the episode would go up on, say, a Tuesday, generally by Friday, uh, before that Tuesday, so almost a good four or five days before, you'll be able to get the podcast, and you'll get special bonus content. We've got a whole other section of content that for this week, Chris and I have recorded, where I ask him a bunch of questions, get a bunch of information, and we really get geeky. We dig deep into the geekiness of, uh, in his case, being a recording musician. So if you dig what you hear on the podcast this week, just know that on the Patreon, there's a whole extra like 25 minutes or so that you can get where we talk about even more stuff. We Dig even deeper into equipment, into plugins, into processes, uh, into desert island instruments, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, Also, there's ad free content for a lot of my lessons and uh, other video content. If, if you have seen my YouTube at all, uh, those videos will be hitting the Patreon without any ads. You can just watch them directly there. Uh, I'm also recording a bunch of Patreon-only content. Now, some of that will be uh, mixed tutorials or recording tutorials, because this is a recording audio podcast. But also, uh, because I do a drum podcast, Dial-A-Drummer at dialadrummer.net, there's going to be uh, drum lessons up there that you can only get on Patreon. And uh, at 15 bucks a month, you can get access to those lessons, to those videos, those downloadable PDFs, all those great things. Also, uh, every month I'm going to be putting up all kinds of audio downloads that you can use in your own productions. Uh, Just this week, we've released Brian's Drums Volume 1. It is 130 one-shot drum samples from an amazing 1957 three-ply Gretsch round badge kit, uh, which is a 22 by 14-inch kick, 13-inch tom, rack tom, 16-inch floor tom, and the snare drum on that kit that we sampled was a six and a half by fourteen Bell Brass snare drum. It is when you think of uh, snare drum samples, it is the quintessential snare drum sample. So uh, that's the very first audio download that I've made available to you on the Patreon. You can go over there right now and download that whole sample package, which includes a hundred and thirty different one-shot samples from Kick, Snare, and Toms and CrossStick. Some of them are processed. Uh, Some of them are completely raw with no processing. You can throw them into whatever DAW, whatever sequencer, whatever sampler you use, and they'll work in any platform. And every month, we're going to be having downloads like that as well. Uh, I'm also going to be releasing some of my own presets for some of your favorite plugins. So whether you're using stock plugins, in Pro Tools or you're using plugins from All kinds of different manufacturers, like Waves. Obviously, uh, I'm a huge Waves fan, so I'll be posting some of my plug-in presets for those. uh, Those plugins that I use most, Uh, we'll do some Universal Audio, we'll do some Plug-in Alliance, there'll be a lot of different things, and all kinds of other downloadable content. I mean, uh, like I say in the copy for the site, think of it as it's great for the casual learner at the $15 tier, the weekend warrior, the dude looking to a dude or dudette, looking to replace their uh, Netflix subscription, or anybody just learning to uh, to do this that wants to progress at their own pace. Uh, there's a $30 tier where you get even more stuff. I'm going to be doing live weekly hangouts on Patreon where I'll answer your questions live and we'll be talking back and forth. Uh, there on Patreon live. Uh, you'll be able to get your questions in. And I'll answer those things. Uh, there's also some next tier downloadables uh, like today. I just put up all of the raw sample files for this sample pack. So the actual capture session from uh, doing this kit for volume one. So instead of just that one perfect hit that's processed a different ways, you actually get four different hits or performances at all these different dynamic ranges. So y- if you open it up in Pro Tools, you'll see all of the native stuff that we recorded here in the studio. You can go up and cut up your own samples. There's tons more uh, different hits, different one-shots that we didn't include in the fully packaged Brian's Drums Volume 1. You can get that Pro Tools session right now. If you don't use Pro Tools... All those files will go right into your DAW. You can create your own custom sample pack and use it in your next thing that you're doing. Also, you'll get one monthly evaluation of your drumming or your audio mix, since most of you are uh, audio people. Uh, If you want to get an evaluation on a mix that you just did, maybe get some tips or some tricks to improve it that you can take back to your practice room or your home studio and you can improve on that mix, you'll get one of those evaluations a month. You send me an MP3 i send you back some notes. Uh, you also get special Discord server access, where every single day I'll be on our Discord server uh, answering your questions, posting photos and videos. You can post uh, your own videos of things that you're doing. Like it says, it's like having me on speed dial there with the Discord server. And if you're a super fan of the podcast, uh, of the stuff that I'm doing, there is a a super fan ride or die $100 a month tier where you get a uh, a Skype lesson or consultation once a month with me you also get something incredibly special. You get fly-on-the-wall access to all kinds of things that we're doing here at the studio, whether I'm uh, recording these interviews for the podcast, whether we're doing, uh, like tomorrow I'm doing, a drum session down in the studio. If you were uh, on the ride-or-die tier that we call it uh, on, on the Patreon Clubhouse, you'd actually get to watch those sessions live, like you're there in the studio with me as I'm engineering or producing uh, or playing on stuff. You'll also get uh, special discounts on Session Ace gear, and we're going to be having uh, special monthly giveaways for our Ride or Die tier. That might be uh, drumsticks and drum heads, it may be plugins. ins there's all kinds of different things we're going to be giving away each month, and you'll get those at the $100 tier. So uh, that's my big spiel about uh, Patreon, it's the first time I've ever done that. And so it, I really wanted a place where we could hang out and have like a clubhouse on the internet that uh, I could leave a bunch of stuff for you to use. It would be useful, whether it's lessons or uh, audio files or mixed sessions. Uh, things that you could use in your own life and work there in your own home studio. And uh, just a way for us to interface directly. Uh, I'm finding more on social networks uh, like Facebook or Instagram. It's really hard to have a one-on-one connection with the people that engage in my content. And so in this kind of situation behind that garden wall of Patreon, we could do all kinds of things that you really can't do on a social media platform. And we can have cool discussions discussions. We can uh, exchange ideas. We can do all kinds of stuff. So make sure you hit patreon.com slash Brian Stevens to check out those tiers and those benefits and jump on that. Help support uh, this podcast and all the other content that I'm creating for you on the internet. So, speaking of content, today uh, getting back into doing this podcast as a weekly show, I wanted to have one of my really good friends and someone I, I've enjoyed spending uh, a ton of time with over the last 10 months and that's uh, bassist Chris Dale. Chris and I have known each other for more than 10 years. There's a a Facebook picture somewhere of us sitting and having dinner at a bar like 12 or 13 years ago that I saw popped up in my memories the other day. I'll read to you directly from his bio to let you know who he is and what he does. Uh, Chris, after graduating with a studio music and jazz degree from the University of Miami in 1997, one of the best music schools in the country, by the way, Chris moved back here to his hometown in atlanta and immersed himself in the jazz and blues scene years of back and such artists as mike greer and you probably know mike greer from his other persona uh, uh puddles the singing clown of puddles pity party bernadette seacrest grease paint and rudy ray moore uh yes the rudy ray moore <laughs> chris uh, also did some road work with jeff atchison and delta moon Uh, And really, one of the most interesting gigs he did was five years on the road with Colonel Bruce Hampton. We talk a little bit about that in this episode. Uh, Bruce is the godfather of the jam scene and has influenced everybody on the jam band scene. Uh, He also uh, did a little bit of work with uh, some guys that I've played with before. Uh, He played with the Mosier Brothers uh Jeff Mosier, who I played with uh, in Blue Grand Undergrass for a little, little bit of time, he's played with a ton of people, both on electric bass and on upright bass. And for the last decade, he's been bringing the low end across the country with indie singer-songwriter... Corey Smith. Corey's a mainstay at the CMA Festival, and one—it's one of the hardest working road bands that's out there today. And they—they're already gearing up for an incredible 2022 touring schedule. That uh, Chris is such a road dog, especially because of being Corey's band. Now, uh, finding time uh, for more of a personal outlet, Chris has released four albums under his own name and contributed electric and upright bass, steel guitar and even theremin tracks to countless albums for other people. We're going to talk about Chris's original music, and uh, you can actually see some of the videos that he's made to go along with that music on his YouTube channel. So that's enough preamble for you. I think I've talked enough. Let's get right into my uh, wonderful conversation with my buddy, Chris Dale. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. I'm glad you picked up the the proverbial phone.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I man, this, this, this is how we fun, do the phone.
1: Yeah, this is how we phone people nowadays. That's right. I know
0: how crazy <laughs> is that.
1: <laughs> so, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you today is uh, because of the work that you do as a session bassist. Yeah. More specifically, we just did one within the last couple of weeks, recording some bass tracks mm-hmm. for a new Mark Cavalli song called Some Days. Yes. And hopefully, we're we're getting an organ on that towards the end of this week. Nice. We got guitar last week from Scott Patton. Nice. Should have some horns. the next Within the next month, mm-hmm. this thing should be up on the streaming services. But that made me want to talk with you. Yeah about your home studio mm-hmm. and recording from home and all those great things that you get to do as one of your income streams. Yeah. So first off, let's talk about your home studio now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me just some broad strokes about what your home studio setup is like there now. So it is extremely simple. Really how
0: I look at my setup is really as a writing studio first. And then, you know, one, one that is good enough to, to do remote recording, of course, you know, but really, um, I want a fast workflow. I want it very simple. Um, I'm just going uh, direct into a a, a Scarlett Focusrite Scarlett. Um, Which one is it? It's it's, it's the Scarlett Solo. So, yeah. So, it's just got uh, one SLR and one quarter inch in. That's it. And then just straight into a MacBook MacBook Air and into Logic. And uh, so, it's just very quick. It's very fast, easy to set up that's how I do all my bases uh, any kind of uh you know any anything electric any guitars or steel guitars or yeah. even the theremin I uh, just go straight in you know and um uh yeah it's just super simple super quick that's how I like it
1: now, when you say you go straight in, do you have any kind of front end that you use? Do you have, like for base, do you have a preamp that you're using that you like that you front load with that? Or are you just going right into I the I actually
0: plug it right into the Scarlet. I just go straight in. And then Get out of it's town. It's true. And then, <laughs> there's so many things in Logic. There's so many compressors, and there's so many amp simulators, and there's so much going on in there. And the presets aren't half bad. And you just you know grab a preset that's close and tweak it from there. But yeah, I'm not uh, front loading anything. Um, if I happen to be playing something more modern, I'm using an active bass. You know, you could you could argue that that's got a little front end on it. You know, from the preamp right. on the bass. But no, man, I go straight in, dude.
1: No Avalons, no, <laughs> no tube breeze. No, no,
0: no, and nothing against that stuff. I just can't afford it. I'd love to have an Avalon. Every time I go in the studio and plug into an Avalon, I'm like, I gotta get one of these. But uh,
1: nope. <laughs> wow. Well, well, and when people people hear some of the stuff that that we've done, they're gonna they're gonna swear to God you did some things, right? Right. Um, now, what about bass choices? Yes. Yes. What What sort of bass choices do you have sitting on? So um, I have a gear problem,
0: as as I think most of us do. Um, I have way too many bases, way too many. Uh, my favorites currently are um, these Hoffner bases, especially for recording. Oh, yeah. There are, you know, hollow bodies, flat wound strings, short scale. Um, it just it puts it's just got everything you need, everything you want in a bass sound. It's got plenty of lows. It's got nice. You know, you can really hear the note in the mids. And then if you're playing it with a pick, which I do, you get that hard, you know, the hard front end on it. Um, for yeah. the highs. So I, I, I use those mostly. Um, I've got a, a, a Hofner Very Thin and a, a, a Hofner Beetle, Beetle Bass that I use a lot. Um, if I'm not I using that, I've does. got a, a Sire. Uh, it's it's basically a jazz bass. It's an active uh, five string jazz bass that I will use with the round wound strings on it. But yeah, th- those are mainly what I use. But I got everything. You know, I got p basses I got fretless bases. I got you know I got an eight string sitting over there. I got I got a problem. I got a problem. I got too much gear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Is there some delineation between what you use live and what you use in the studio? You have a cadre of things that are sitting there, just always ready, or do you pull from that for some of your live stuff?
0: Um, lately, I've been using the Hoffners for everything, so I've been using it for all my studio stuff and all my live stuff. I've just really fallen in love with that. It, it, it's a, it, it's just, it's the sound has everything. <laughs> like I said before, yeah. it's got yeah, it's got the lows, the mids, the highs. It's so easy to play. Um, so I've been bringing those two worlds together. I used to use the Hoffner in the studio all the time and not live. And now I've been using it live and I'm in love with it again there. So um, uh, lately, I've been using the same gear for live or studio work.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, tell me tell me this. Let's go through. Now we know what the signal flow mm-hmm. is and uh, some of the, the different choices that you've got. Let's talk about. Your thought process when you're you're putting a bass track together with this tune that we just did, mm-hmm. you basically sent two different passes. Right. There was the first pass that I got on, we'll say day one, mm-hmm. you know, and I listened to it and I'm like, I, th- I think we're pretty close mm-hmm. there, and then uh, sent that off to Mark, the artist, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he had some input. What is your thought process when you first hear the tune? What are you listening for? What puts you in the direction you feel like you need to go? What, yeah. what are those thoughts? Um,
0: so, uh, so with that tune, um, it, it's it sounded to me like it was definitely a uh, a Motowny or Staxy kind of R and B kind of feel to me. Is it, that's that's what I was hearing? And um, you know, anytime you've got a guide track of any kind, and and of course Mark had sent along, you know, a, a, a split out left hand bass to make sure that I was hitting specific things he wanted me to hit. And I could you could kinda of hear that. You could just kinda of hear that vibe. To me, I heard that vibe. You know, I heard a yeah. uh you know, sixties, you know, maybe seventies R and B kind of feel.
1: So do you prefer when people are sending you tracks, do you have a preference? Do you just like to get one mix of everything or do you like having stems where you can pull stuff around or pull stuff out? What, what's your preference? Um, you know,
0: it, it's, uh, I like to do things as quickly as possible. So I actually like a, just a, a quick mix is great. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need it split out just cause, uh, you know, I want to hear the whole thing together and I'm not going to be messing with it too much, you know, just because I like it. it I like it to go fast and quick. So, uh, you know, that's great. <laughs> Any kind of chart, you know, of any kind always speeds the process up. Basically the more stuff I get from the artist, the less stuff I'm doing apart from playing the bass. you know? So the time that I have carved out for that project, you get more bass playing in that time, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not sketching out charts or whatever. And sometimes you just do that and you have to do it. And it's, it's not a problem. I get, when I do these tracks, I get all different kinds. You know, some people just send me stuff and say, do what you want. Some people will send me a written out part. Some people send me a chord chart. Um, but yeah, if you want, uh, you want the maximum amount of bass playing during that time. Uh, every little bit helps. You know, every little extra bit.
1: And, and you know, being on the road with you and, and working with you, what your answer was right there is exactly uh, what I'd experienced with you playing wise. Uh-huh. Like the path of least resistance. Right. What exactly do I need to get the job done the best way I could possibly get it done? Right and uh, including your rig that you play with live, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gig that we played doing some, doing a little bit of touring the last 10 or so months, your rig was the smallest bass <laughs> rig I've ever seen. It's
0: very simple. <laughs> it's literally a tuner into a Sans Amp direct box, and and that's it. And because I, yeah, that's how I like it. I, w- I want it fast, easy. Kind of like I like my women. <laughs> that's right. Fast <laughs> and easy. <laughs> and small, I don't know. I don't
1: know. <laughs> And I'm a complete opposite, at least on that particular gig that we were doing. I'm I'm definitely the opposite the studio. Like if you send me stems and I can I can get rid of the vocal if I don't right. like to hear the right. vocal. If if uh, if I can kind of throw things around, give me a stem of the guitars and a stem of the keys and a stem with the bass. And if you got drums, great, because I'm gonna listen to them for about four seconds and then I'm gonna get rid right. of them. And you took all that time. See, I'm completely opposite. I want you to. I want you to go through as much trouble as you could possibly right. go through to get this to right. me, <laughs> so, that, so that I can be picky when I get them. <laughs> so and 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 the the touring rig that I had the last ten months is probably the biggest touring rig that I've taken ever. That was impressive. As, far as a drum set, that was impressive. Man, there was a lot I, of gear up there a lot of gear and the only reason there weren't more symbols was because my template uh, my template for that was a drummer who only used you right. know a hi hat and four symbols right. if he had been a drummer with 10 symbols right. you would have seen 10 symbols up there <laughs> so uh but but again that's just uh, it's so funny how our personalities sort of they are what they are everywhere right. that we right. are. I, yeah,
0: yeah. I didn't think about that like that, but you're right.
1: <laughs> now, now that being said, I took the smallest kit possible for my gig on Saturday right. and I was in and out in like twenty minutes. And that's minutes, nice. So it? it was wonderful. <laughs> I was I was headed home before the other guys had even turned off the speakers yes, to yeah, the PA. Yep,
0: yep. Yep.
1: It was wonderful. There's something to be so said for I'm, it. <laughs> I, I'm you know, I may have to rethink this whole thing, man. 25 years of being a pain in the ass, right. I might have to rethink right. it. Right, in and out.
0: One trip. <laughs> I want it in one trip.
1: <laughs> All right, so let's say you get whatever you get, whether it's a, a full mix mm-hmm. or stems or any of that stuff. Do you prefer somebody send you a chart of some sort, or would you rather just like to listen to it and write your own notes about it? Um, I
0: would rather have a chart, as long as it's a good chart. You know, like like somebody that knows how to write charts and write charts well. I would love to have one of those nice charts. You know, um, so what what constitutes a good chart? Um, you know, easy to read, um, uh, you know, legible. <laughs> um, you
1: don't want doctors being no, right. No, is what you're
0: saying. So, no, accurate. It's important that the chart is accurate. Uh, <laughs> so that's basically yeah, easy to read and accurate. Is what I'm looking for in a uh, in a chart.
1: You just are you looking at least for chord changes that, and that's it. That that that's the best, uh, I think.
0: Yeah, just a, a, a simple chord chart so that uh, so that I can just start making passes immediately. You know, yeah. and then as I go through, I'll go through it multiple times. You know, honing down feel and honing down dynamics and and where I, if I want to drop real low, where is that going to happen? Stuff like that. Um, and uh, if if I have a, a even just a chord chart to look at, I can start doing
1: that immediately what about number charts or are, are yeah. you a number chart person at uh, all? You know, I
0: wasn't for a long time and then, um, and then I started playing in the country scene and now I'm totally a number chart guy. I love it. It makes sense. It's, you know, it took me a minute to, to learn, you know, how to read it quickly and stuff, but, yeah. um, but I like it and, and I like the flexibility of the number chart. Um, just in, as far as, you know, changing keys on the fly and stuff. Um, sure. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah. yep. Yeah. So yeah, either one, you know, I'll take anything as long as it's correct. <laughs>
1: As long as it's right. right. (laughs) Some semblance of right. Exactly. (laughs) Tell me this, before you uh, lay the track down, do you like to get some kind of direction? Do you like for somebody to tell you? Or do you really prefer for somebody to just let you be you and then come back behind that with maybe some notes?
0: You know, that's a good question. Um, The way I kind of look at it is I I figure people are – They're hiring me to be me to a certain degree, anyway. You know, sure. But I, I certainly don't mind any kind of direction. It's easy to get overwhelmed by options, and uh, you know when when you're just when you're just free reign. Um, So uh, I do like a little bit of direction up front is nice. But you know, then again, too much direction, and I'm like, come on, man. You know, (laughs) you hired me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) you get a computer to play that man you want me to do it <laughs> how
1: about i just hand that's you the right. bass and let you do whatever right. it is that you're trying to tell me
0: yeah so and you know uh, i mean the best thing is if there's uh, a a song that they can send me you know that that's you know from spotify or apple music or something and just be like like yeah. this you know or this type of feel right. or this type of tone that's really the quickest way um you know to get me to uh, uh you know to get me giving you what you want.
1: The the thing I think I hate the most is I'll lay something down sometimes, especially if the client's there at the session. Uh-huh. And as it's going down, I'm feeling like, yeah, this is it. This is really what's happening. And I, occasionally I'll look like through the glass mm-hmm. or something, if the client's there, and especially if it's the artist, and I'll see that look on their face, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, they're not digging right? this. Right. I mean, this is cooking. Yeah. They're not digging right? this. Number one, they need their head fixed. Right. And number two, <laughs> <laughs> number two, I already know what's about to come. It's it's going to be the person coming in the room, and I'm going to get a lot of this. But could you boom boom da da, the boom boom da da right there? <laughs> do you have do you have any of those nightmares where somebody tries to woo? Right. Oh yeah.
0: Every yeah yeah. If you've if you've ever played in the studio, I'm sure you you know you've had that experience. You know. <laughs> That does happen, but yeah, you, I just roll with it. You know, um, one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, one of the greatest studio bass players and live bass players, you know, Lee Sklar, has a, uh, a producer switch on his uh, signature bass, which is a switch on the bass that's just not connected to anything. So when the producer says, <laughs> "Can you make it a little more de blah?" he just noisily flips the switch, you know, and it does nothing <laughs> to the tone. And then he plays it again, like, "Yeah, yeah, man," like that. So, <laughs> so there's there's a long proud tradition of studio musicians getting around, you know, stuff like that somehow.
1: <laughs> I'll have to figure out what my what my producer switches on my drum. Exactly, yeah, great yeah, idea. Yeah,
0: just have a, an identical pair of sticks, but you paint them a different color or something.
1: You know, like oh <laughs> That's these sticks, it. How about these. <laughs> You want your tune a little more blue? Right. I have a blue pair right. of sticks. Right here. It'll be totally blue now. <laughs> See, this is what these conversations are good for. This is really what they're good mm-hmm. for. You know, it's it's, it's it's that kind of thing. Now I'm, I'm writing it down. Get blue, blue sticks, sticks <laughs> and green sticks yep, yep, yep. and orange sticks. That's stick. right. <laughs> All right. So, so as far as with, with uh, producer feedback or client mm-hmm. feedback now, because of COVID, uh, like I'm doing a um, thing with Matt Kamansky on Friday, mm-hmm. Thursday, or Friday, and we're going to Zoom while he's recording. Do you prefer to just have people let you do what you do and then you send them I do something or 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 the so you're not a zoom fan or a Skype
0: fan. Not, not necessarily I, you know I like I like the fact that I can uh, you know I can do something I can send it off then I can take a little break while they're doing but, where they're listening to it making notes and then they can send me an email or a text you know that that is yeah. you know well thought out and in list form you know for me to you know to take another pass at Um, I like that. Complete spreadsheet. Right. Complete
1: spreadsheet with a measure by (laughs) measure commentary. A
0: a USA Today pie chart on the front. And
1: (laughs) how much of this I like. Right. How much I wish you'd do different. I think my wife has one of those for me. (laughs) But yeah,
0: I, I think it's it's nice when it's not so immediate. It's you know it's nice when you're in the studio and you get immediate feedback too. But I feel like people can really think about how they want to say things and uh, really think yeah. about what they want, and then and then I'm happy to you know to burn down another take and send it off, and, and you can do that process as many times as it takes.
1: Well, I think sometimes people have when when they especially when they send something off to a player they. Have these expectations mm-hmm. of, like, in, in the case of a bass part, they have an expectation of what they want the bass part to be. And when it comes back, instead of listening with this very open mind of, is the song wanting this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus am I wanting this? Right. They t- tend to listen to it like, well, is that what was in my head? Right. And if you just luck up and happen to hit the exact spot that they were thinking Mm -hmm. of then all the world is good versus uh you know coming back with something that might be a little left to center Mm -hmm. and instead of opening your mind up and just letting the song be the song and Mm -hmm. let's hear how the song likes this they sort of filter it through that lens that's that's where a lot of the difficulty comes from because yeah i mean at this point with you know probably more than two decades of recording under your belt and hundreds if not thousands of songs you know how to listen to stuff right
0: yeah it, yeah it seems to me um like you're if you're gonna hire a bass player and are hire you're hiring a human being you know and, and that, that should be what you yeah. want you know you, you should want right. the human element of a bass player because right. I, there are fantastic sample packs for bass like you can really sit down and, and come up with a great bass line you know not being a bass player with the keyboard and the and logic. But because you're not a bass player, you're not going to have the vocabulary. You're not going to have the experience of a, a human being, bass player. So if you're going to spend the money and hire a bass player, I, I think that you should want that humanness to it, You know, you, which which is by default going to be something that you
1: didn't think about. Does that make sense? Oh, totally, totally, because you're bringing something to the table that is, is very much an intangible mm-hmm. It's the sum total of all the things that you've listened to up until today. Mm-hmm. It's all the songs you ever learned and ever played up until today. It's all the parts you've written yourself mm-hmm. for other people's music until today. Right. And it's it's this whole uh, treasure chest of, of knowledge and information and and just other music, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like a catalog of music in your head that that other person may not have access to. Right, And, you know, their, their access specifically to whatever the instrument in question is, in this case, it's bass, mm-hmm. their access to that wealth of, uh, of knowledge and experience and, and musical content may be much more limited Yeah, maybe all they've listened to is Tears for Fears and David Bowie all their life. Right. And so everything that they listen to has the sound of David Bowie and Tears for Fears. And when you need something that sounds like a Motown bass line, maybe that's not in their ear, but the song Mm -hmm. really wants that. Yeah. And and that's that's one of the things that definitely, it seems like I should be letting you answer this question instead of me answering it. But I'll, <laughs> I'll while we're there, I'll just answer it. It's one of those things where as a session musician, part of your skill set, other than being able to play the instrument you play, is to be able to listen for what the song wants. Yes. And your natural inclinations are going to be different because you're a different person than... X, Y, or Z bass player, mm-hmm. and hopefully whoever asked you to play thought about that when they when they hired you, right? You know, they, they know something about the choices that you make. And I know for for a, uh, a fact that was the conversation that, that Mark and I had in calling you for this track. It was, you know, I th- especially having played with you as much as I had the the whole front part of this yeah. year. I'm like, this sounds like something that Chris would just knock. He'd knock it out of the park yes. straight away. It definitely sounded like it was something that was in his wheelhouse. Yes. So, for me, other than uh, just putting you more into a Jamerson approach, mm-hmm. like be freer. Right now, for w- what we needed to do something to, to let the listeners kind of know what our process was getting through this one particular song, so I sent you some some stems that had drums, yep. uh, marks, temp, baseline, yep. t- just to give you an idea of where the tonal center was Mm -hmm. through the changes. And then he had a piano part that was rather busy, which is how he plays his name by nature. Mm -hmm. He plays busy because he normally plays mostly by himself. And, and so as a producer, I sort of have to listen through that when I'm putting drums down and know, all right, so 20% of what he's doing is what we're going to keep eventually. Mm -hmm. In in another pass, and now where does everything else fit? And so, uh, in that case, the bass part that you sent me at first was perfect for the piano part
0: that was sitting. Right. Yeah. It was simpler. It was a simpler line.
1: I'm going to step into this conversation for one second. I want to play you a snippet of the very first pass that Chris did and the piano that he had to play with. And then we'll play you a snippet of uh, his second round of bass tracks with the new piano. So you just got some context in this conversation. Not something I usually do, but I think it might help you here. You. So open up your mind and let your spirit take control. It feels just like a cleansing of your soul. Have faith in your decisions and the chances that you take And only worry about the choice. So I hope that gave you some context to let you hear the two very different styles of bass and even the different tone that he decided to use based on all the other stuff that was happening inside of the track. Now, before we go back to our conversation with Chris, let's have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Session Ace and their incredible line of in-ear monitors and other musician-specific products. I've been using the 6-Driver Universal Fit ESA in-ear monitors on every single recording session and live gig that I've played on for the last three years. Years. And let me tell you, there's absolutely nothing under $2,000 that sounds as good as these ESAs. Believe me, I've owned everything under $2,000 just about. And the shocking thing about these is these six driver in air monitors, you can get them today, your own set, for less than $400. Unbelievable. So go to sessionace.com today to check out the ESA in-ear monitors, as well as their entire catalog of musical products. That's SessionAce.com, remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. Our process was, all right, now that we've got a keeper drum take and we've got the start of a a keeper bass take, let's change the piano now. Mm Let's get the piano into more of what it's going to sound like, even if we don't keep this. Yeah. Let's just refine this to what needs to be there, because uh, for this particular track we were working on, not only are there drums and bass, there's going to be some percussion. Mm-hmm. That takes care of some of the, the movement he was creating with the piano. Mm-hmm. But there's also going to be guitar parts. There's going to be horn parts. Yeah. And the bass... If we're going in that Motown direction, hey, with the Jamerson approach, right. it, it's a busier baseline. Sure it is, yeah. While we're talking about Jamerson, do you have like a favorite one or two Jamerson tracks that just immediately come to mind?
0: Um, well, uh, uh, Bernadette. I always loved that bass line, Bernadette. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So driving, you know, uh, uh, but you know, uh, he was such a, such a singular personality on all of that stuff that really, there's not a bad one, you know, there's not a bad baseline. (laughs) (laughs) They're all fantastic. They're all, uh, yeah. And and it's all obviously, you know, it's him and, 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 uh, and even when it wasn't him, even when it was Bob Babbitt, like Bob Babbitt still did a fantastic job. It did a fantastic Jamerson impression. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Jamerson was there anyway, in some way, you know?
1: (laughs) Right. Of course. Of course. So in thinking about your own sound, Mm -hmm. is there, if you had to describe the sound of how you play, Mm -hmm. could you give us like a reference of two or three or eight? bass players that if we put them all in a pot and right, we stirred them right, up, right? That's what Chris Dale sounds. like. Well,
0: I, um, I could definitely like. I, I hope that that James Jamerson is in there. I've always loved James Jamerson, um, so I, I would say James Jamerson. I love Bootsy Collins. Um, I you know I don't I don't use a lot of effects, but um, it, just the uh, the just the attention to the always grooving and simple lines that Bootsy had. Um, I love love that. Um, who else? Oh, I love John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. That was, he was my first bass hero. You know, when I first started playing bass, I was learning Zeppelin lines. I had a tablature book, you know, Zeppelin hits, (laughs) you know, I just play along and play along. And he was very influenced by Jamerson too. So it's, it's, um, yeah. So I, I would say Jamerson Bootsy, uh, John Paul Jones. Um, uh, I think those are my three main guys. I love so many. There's so many other fantastic bass players out there, but those are the guys that I was listening to when I first started out. And, um, and uh yeah so I, I would say I, I hope I aspire to be influenced by those guys.
1: The the Bootsy one surprises mm-hmm. me but I get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, I totally mm-hmm. get it. Yeah cuz you're right you don't play with a lot of a lot of uh, grease on top right, of
0: stuff. Right Yeah. You know, but yeah, his just his, his his you know he would just hit the one so hard, you know, so funky. Yeah. And, and 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 then not play again until the next one and stuff. And it's just so badass. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely
1: definitely. Well, tell me this: Are there any things that you're looking at now that uh, you're looking to expand the way you play? Is there anybody that inspires you right now?
0: Yes. Um, so there's se- there's several guys, and and well, the the two that pop into mind are uh, you know Bobby Vega, who's been around forever, you know, but he's mm-hmm. having a I think a, a sort of a resurgence because of uh, younger guys like Cody Wright. So these guys that are playing bass with the pick but they're playing funk with a pick, you know, they're, they're not, uh-huh. they're not, it's not metal with a pick and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, it's uh they're playing um, just, you know, really good funky lines on the bass with a pick. And it mm-hmm. just has a totally different kind of feel to it. And um, yeah, with a lot of ghost notes and a lot of, it's, it's, uh, I think I feel like it's a lot more percussive. It's a lot more like a drum rudiment, you know, like a snare right. rudiment or something. Yeah. Um, um, so that's, that's sort of what I've been working on lately, trying to get my pick playing, um, you know, just at the next level, just you know, being able to do more with the pick,
1: which is which is sort of counterintuitive to what bass players have done historically, right? You know, it's like everybody's trying to get to the fingers,
0: right? Right. So I, I was a fingerstyle guy forever for for many decades, and and I do like fingerstyle, but I, there's a lot of bass players that are pick guys that uh, I, I realized I was listening to and really enjoying. Justin Chancellor from Tool, uh, Mike Gordon yeah. from Fish, um, just these these guys. I always loved Chris Squire from Yes. And, oh, and all course. these guys are pick players. And so I started getting more and more into the pick. And then here, here's the pathetic part, Brian. You ready for this? So then the, then the <laughs> pandemic hits, right? I don't touch a base yeah. for months. I'm so depressed. I don't even touch <sighs> a base for months. Totally lose really? my calluses, right? Then wow. then the, the, here and there, there's a gig. There's a gig over here. I'm starting to play a little bit more. My fingers hurt. They hurt. So I'm playing with a pick <laughs> yeah, Of because it doesn't hurt. Then I start to like Because you're a wuss! Then I start to like playing wuss. with it. And now I play with the pick all the time. Get my finger turned. <laughs> so now I'm justifying it by being like, oh, listen to Cody Wright. Listen to Bobby Bag. Listen how cool the pick is. When it's me being weak.
1: <laughs> girly man, yep, I love yep, it.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> you lazy girly. That's what man. happened.
0: That's that's the truth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, your, it's on purpose.
0: It's on purpose. I'm not weak. It's on it's purpose. Your, it's your unfettered
1: <laughs> honesty that makes you such a good person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hysterical. <laughs> well, I can't I cannot uh pass up an opportunity to talk with you, especially like this in kind of a public forum without talking about your music. Oh, thank you for anybody that hasn't gone to Spotify or or Amazon or Apple music or wherever you get your music from, if you haven't looked up Chris Dale, K R I S D a L E, make sure you spell it right. (laughs) So you get there, your music has so much of your personality in it. And so for a second, take me through, Like the the first time you decided to start working on your own Mm -hmm. material, what was the impetus for that? What was the desire? Well,
0: I I can actually trace it to one specific conversation that I had. Um, I was I played with Colonel Bruce Hampton from right around 2005 to right around 2010, and I was Mm -hmm. talking. I had no plans of recording my own music at all. I was going to be a sideman, and um, I was talking to him one night, and he brought up a, a very good point that I had never thought about before, and he said that uh, making your own record legitimizes you as a musician to non-musicians and and we talked about that concept well everybody knows that like every musician knows that you don't have to have your own record to be a legitimate musician there's many most musicians are awesome legitimate musicians and don't release their own material you know however when you're talking to somebody that's not a musician you know literally anybody else it that's sort of your own record is sort of it legitimizes you it's like yeah i'm a musician right. but look like i am actually a musician like here's my record you know <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm not here's my style. exactly i'm not like your cousin who's a musician who you know you know sings in a band on you know on weekends or something like that like 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 it Mustang right Saturn. exactly exactly like it legitimizes you to non-musicians as a musician, right. So that, uh, so Colonel Bruce told me that, and then I started thinking to myself, "Wow, well, that, that's a great, that's a great way to look at it. I should make my own music." And so, yeah, so then I started writing, um, just based on basically, I was playing in a lot of different bands, so I started writing music that you know might be able to be played in any of those bands. And uh, I was in a band at the time, also called the Bonafinger Quartet, which did does a lot of uh, very Django Reinhardt inspired gypsy jazz. So the first stuff okay. I started writing was in that vein. And uh, the guys in that band were so cool. They totally um, uh, Charles Williams is the band leader and and he totally supported (laughs) me in that uh, and let let me use his band to play my stuff every now and then, you know, Uh, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was really nice. So that's sort of my first my first record sort of has that kind of element to it. And And then I caught the bug, like once I started doing it and getting through the process of organizing the rehearsals and organizing the recordings and, and running the running the sessions and stuff. It's a lot of fun. I love making my own music. (laughs) I don't perform (laughs) it live ever because I play almost all the instruments on the uh, recordings. So I don't, I I just haven't wrapped my head around how I would, you know, I'd have to pick one instrument to play. Then I have to find somebody else that plays the other instruments, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, the instruments that I'm using a lot are the steel guitar, the theremin, the vibraphone, like these aren't common instruments, you know? You can't go down right. to Guitar Center and be like, "Hey, who's who's got the vibes?" You know,
1: right? right.
0: <laughs> so theremin, yeah, theremin. Yes.
1: There are not a lot of no. a lot of uh, street corner theremin No, There's players.
0: not. There's not. There's there's not n- very few in my Rolodex that I can look up the thereminists. So uh, yeah, so so really, my music exists solely in the recorded uh, world. You know, it's it's right. uh, you know, I've I've you know tried to come up with with various ideas on how I would do it live. And I guess I just need to rearrange yeah. stuff again. It, it's me being lazy. That's what it is. And just, just rearrange it, Chris, rearrange it so that you can play it in a regular band and go play it. I'm weak. Or, I'm weak or and find lazy. That,
1: uh, that one other prayer <laughs> right. in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who's sitting at home waiting for someone. <laughs> All right, it's well, like the, the old, the old joke. What do you call it? What do you call a banjo player with a pager? optimistic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, any thereminists that, that hear this podcast, hit
1: me up. <laughs> <laughs> i got a gig for you. Only one gig. We're only playing That's this music right, one totally, time. Totally. Because <laughs> it's too much work to play it more than once. <laughs> but it, I, mean, I, I do, I love the
0: process and um, even down to mixing and mastering and all that stuff. And uh, so I've uh, last year I released my fourth Uh, solo record and um Mm -hmm. and it's just uh you know it's 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 just a lot of fun i really thoroughly enjoy the entire the entire
1: process so with every record have have you had a different sound or a different approach or or a different inspiration Uh,
0: that's yes um and uh it's it's slowly it like my first two records are really all over the map genre wise and then i feel like Mm -hmm. in my third record i was it's mainly funk And then in my last record, it's like this... It's still leaning heavily on the funk. And I'm I'm realizing that that's really kind of what I want to do. But, uh, you know, soundtracky funk, retro, spy, surf, funk. That's still, like, way too many genres. I need to... I need to pare it down from there too, but, but you know, I I I can definitely see the progress through those records of just everything getting better. You know, of uh, right. just me learning how to do it and how to do it better, and that's probably the best reason to make your own music and make your own record is just to become a better musician yourself.
1: It, you feel like it helps you with playing on other people's material
0: immensely. Yeah, yeah, a ton. Because because w- w- when you go through the process of running your own you know producing your record and and being the writer and all this stuff you can really be much more i think empathetic with other people you know like you can really see okay well i'm talking to a songwriter right now i have written some songs i know what it's like so i think it, it has helped me a whole lot um and also just you know when you're playing in the studio and you know i love i love clicks i love playing with clicks um so and that's just that's just metronome practice you know so yeah so you're, you know, you're strengthening your, your time and you're strengthening your technique. And because it's my record, I'll be taking some solos and I rarely get solo and in, in other ways, you know, in other bands. right So, you know, now I get to work on that I get to work on that technique. And um, yeah, so it's really, there's no downside to it. You know, it's just, you're just going to learn a bunch. Sure. Maybe, you know, every time you make your own record, you're just going to learn a bunch about everything. So I say, do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Chris Dale says, "Do so it. Like, make, make your own, your own record.
1: record. Do it." <laughs> <laughs> too cool too cool oh man i appreciate you for spending so much time with me of course thanks for calling man yeah dude and and i'm hoping that we find some reason to get together and play again i'm sure we will uh, soon i'm sure we will. anything that isn't elton john music i'm up for (laughs) right i think i've had my fill of that for now burnout on that (laughs) a little bit a little bit a little bit <laughs> I think I want to move on to something else. Nice. I don't know. Paul McCartney there, music. There you Let go. Me burn out on that for a little while. There you go. There's a uh, lot of music out there. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Phil Collins' music. I think I want to burn out on Phil Collins' music. I think you next, should I so. think you should do it. <laughs> so, thanks for your time Thank you. and uh tell people that are listening if they want to follow you and oh along with your new out al- with, with all four of your albums, there's a bunch of new video stuff. How do people get all that kind of stuff? Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so um, it, it can all be accessed from my website, which is uh, www.chrisdale.com. And again, that's K R I S D A L E. But uh, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. I got an Instagram, all this stuff uh, you can easily get to from my website. Um, chrisdale.com. It's all there on the awesome. front page.
1: There you go. Easy breezy. Only one thing you have to do. Chris Dale wants, only wants you to do the least you have to that's do, right. which is go to chrisdale.com I and you get. <laughs> I want your life to be easy. Hey, there you go. You know what? That's that, And that's what you do as a bass player. I, be, being a drummer who's played with you extensively, I can say that as a drummer, you make my life easy. Well,
0: thank you. That's my goal. <laughs>
1: Thanks for your time, my friend. (laughs) Anytime, man. Thank you. I will see you when I see you. All right.
0: That sounds good. We'll see you around
1: the pool, Brian. All right, everybody. That's Bassist. And music composer Chris Dale. I hope you got a lot out of that conversation. If you did, there's even more bonus content from my conversation uh, on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash Brian Stevens, you can jump in on a tier and you can get this whole other part of our discussion that is not a part of this week's episode. And we dive deep on equipment and plugins and all kinds of cool stuff. We really do get geeky. And uh, Chris and I spent a lot of time together. I really appreciate his time. Uh, Patreon.com slash Brian Stevens. Again, like we said, make sure you go and visit Chris's website, chrisdale.com, to get all of the links to his social so you can see his videos and the content he's putting up every single week. And make sure that you support our sponsor, Session Ace. Far and away the best in-ear monitors I have ever used. Go to sessionace.com. Just like the slogan says, they are uh, remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. I am so glad to be back with you. And uh, next week, I've got an amazing conversation with Eric Frampton, who is the keyboard player for uh, a touring band called Electric Avenue, but he's also the keyboard tech for Lionel Richie. He's worked for tons of other artists like the b52s paul simon we're going to talk about uh, his job both as a working keyboard player and as a keyboard take to the stars so i'm looking forward to that you'll get that next tuesday on the feed if you're in the patreon you'll get it several days before that with the bonus content so that's all i got for you thanks so much for listening Thanks so much for supporting. Uh, If you got any questions, if you got any comments, send them to faderjocks at gmail.com. Make sure to share this episode, tell your friends, and until next time, I'll see you when I see you.